0: The question today is, what are some parallels between military training and spiritual training? The first word to come to mind is surrender. Say that with me, surrender. Surrender. Just as in the Christian life, you are either all in or you might as well get out. And when I was in the military, I saw guys who were used to playing videos all night and sleeping until noon. And now they have to get up at 5 a.m. with their beds made. Some of y'all, I'm bringing you back to where you were once before. Because I was there, too. Amen. Oh, yeah. Boy, that's, ooh, Jesus, help me. Been retired 22 years now from the. Air Force. In Christendom we have to surrender everything in order to follow Him. When I was in the military we had to surrender everything. When I first got to basic training I had a shirt on National Karate Jiu Jitsu uh, because I was in the martial arts and uh, the man told me, say, you can look at that shirt now. You ain't going to see it no more. I had to surrender everything. They they tell you what to wear. They tell you what kind of style of haircut you're going to get. We all had one style. <laughs> it wasn't just high and tight. Everything was tight. Huh? They tell when you It wasn't just hide tight, eat, everything was eat. tight. <laughs> how many minutes you got to eat, <laughs> when to shower, huh? They, when to use the restroom, when to work out, when to get up. You surrender everything. Second word that came come to mind is alignment. Say the word alignment. Soldiers can pick up and choose what rules to obey. They can't do that. They cannot pick and choose what they want. See, because you can't wear your hat inside. The rules say you can't wear your cap inside. If they catch you wearing your cap inside, that's going to be some trouble. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The rule says that you have to salute every officer whether you like them or not. Hallelujah. And I don't care if you train the officer, you still got to salute him. (laughs) And so the rule states that, you know, I can only wear my hat outside. So I have to make alignments because I cannot pick and choose what I want to do. I got to follow the rule. And then the next word that comes to mind is brokenness. Say that with me, brokenness. brokenness. The goal of basic training is to get the recruit ready for combat. And you only have seven minutes to eat and you are not allowed to talk or look at anything else. Right after you eat, we have to do some physical activity. And needless to say, egos don't fly in the armed forces. Your happiness is not the goal. They don't care if you're happy or not. The goal is to be trained. That is the goal. And they want to train you in such a way that you will never forget what they put inside you. You might wake up one day, long retired, thinking about something that happened in the military. Because they trained you. Are you following me? And so that's the goal. The goal is to train you. Are you following? And so it is in Christendom. The goal is to train you to be a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Just a little bit of it. Everybody that was in the armed forces, just come 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 up, come up for a minute. Come up for a minute. Everybody was in the armed forces, come up for a minute. Come come on up. And I want you to make two lines. Two lines, just two lines. I'll say lines right now, but I'll get it right in a minute. Two elements. One here and one behind there. Just two, cross here, just two, two, two going this way, two, one, two, just no behind, no three, you and three, just two, just two, just two, that's it, just two. I don't know who the oldest person is, who, who's, who's the oldest person? Who, who's 75? 75? Seven, is 70, anybody older than 71? 72, 73, 73, 72, 73, 73, 72, 72, 72, 72, and 72, 72. Okay, so these here old soldiers, right? <laughs> you got Sergeant Major, you got Major in the, in, the, in the Air Force, yeah. Sergeant Major, and boy, they just, I don't know who the youngest down here, but you should. All right, under my command. Ten, Left face. Right face. Right face. If you're taller than the person next to you, tap them on the shoulder and move up. If you're taller, tap. If you're taller, tap. Angie, get your hips in the back. You're messing up my illustration. If you're taller, move up. Keep moving to the back if you're shorter. Y'all messing with my illustration. <laughs> All right. My command. Start Starting with your left. Forward, march. If, 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 Fight, hope, Right face. Right face. Forward march. Fight, hope, About face. Right, side step, <laughs> Just one. Oh, I need to stop. Fight, hold, I'm sorry. Like, hold, I mess it up. Left step, Come Come keep going. Okay, I'm sorry. I, you, I'd have messed y'all up now. All right, but, okay. Right face. Mm-hmm fall out. If we, if we put a little time to it, we can do some razzle dazzle for you. I just did want to, I did want to mess with it. I started to say razzle dazzle. Hey, right. now, 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 how many of y'all up, up here done been retired 30 years? Anybody retired 30 years? Stand up if you've been retired 30 years. Y'all still know how to march. Stand up if you've been retired 30 years. 20 years. Stand up. 20 years or more. 20 years? Wow. Y'all still know that. All right. Y'all be seated. 10 years or more. 10 years. 10 years. All right. Try 10 years. Good. Good. All right. Who less than 10 years? Who was up here less than 10 years? Less than 10. All right. How many years? Nine years? Two years. You you freshly retired. Two years. All right. So I know you know it. But I just want to show you, illustrate that what they put in you, it stays with you. And I'm a little rusty, but uh, I I used to be, I won the drill award, so uh, I used to eat that stuff. I love that kind of stuff. But if I had a little time with him, we will show you we put a show on for y'all. If I got if I if I had a little time with him, we will put a show on for y'all. Hallelujah. Amazing. But the army follows seven value core values. Spelling out the word leadership. It's just L D R S H I P. Loyalty, duty, You'll find this up on the screen. Uh, uh, Respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. That's what their seven core values are, and I like those. But for our purpose in our lesson today, uh, Train to Win, we're going to emphasize eight. While it is difficult to distill that which is most important, I believe these summarize that which is most critical for TWC, the winning church, right now. And they are, and they'll be on the screen, discipline, worship, Bible, values, family, witnessing, generosity, and serving. So when we look at our spiritual training, have you ever looked at a mature believer and wish you could be like him or her? Wouldn't it be great to know the Bible to become a prayer warrior and be able to lead people to Christ and to have faith flourishing in our homes. Most of us want instant growth, forgetting that what is behind a godly life is a person who has gone through struggles and trials. They didn't know how to do that when they first entered basic training, but they went through struggle and trials. Amen. Amen. And so spiritual development only comes through practicing spiritual discipline. Right. Amen. You got to practice spiritual discipline. Say that with me, spiritual discipline. Another way to say this is that we need to cultivate some healthy habits if we uh, ever expect to grow in holiness. And so there are two truths that we need to keep in balance. Number one, God is committed to our growth. Say that with me. God is committed to my growth. 1 Corinthians 3 and 6 He said, I plant the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So God makes people grow. So you got to have God involved in the equation. You got to have God involved in your life if you expect to grow. Second thing is we must take responsibility for our growth. Say that with me, I must take responsibility for my own growth. Now check out 2 Peter 3 and 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are commanded to grow. It's not all up to God. It's not all up to us. God has designed it so that we work in partnership with him. Isn't that good? Yeah. Philippians tell us, Philippians 2, 12, and 13 captures our part and God's part very clearly continue to work at your salvation with fear and trembling now that's our part for it is god who works in you that's god's part to will and to act according to his good purpose so the bible is filled with metaphors or images that help us understand the importance of spiritual growth the soldier the athlete and the farmer are used as example in second Timothy 2 and 3 and 6 says, Endure hardness with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in the civilian affairs. We want to please his commanding officer. officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of crops. We're to develop to the dedication of a soldier and the discipline of an athlete and the diligence of a farmer. So by far the most frequent allusion is to the athlete arena, it would be fair to say that Paul was a sports junkie. Since Paul tells us to follow his example, I was just being a good soldier by going to the championship game with EJ and his team. Uh, They went ten and zero, and they made history because nobody scored one point on them. Amen. That's that's my grandson. I'm sorry. EJ them went ten and zero and nobody scored not one point on them. They made history. They got their little got their little Super Bowl ring and everything. Needless to say, I was a proud Pawpaw. Hallelujah. And you know what? As a part of my spiritual duty, is to watch football on Saturday and Sunday. Anybody else got that spiritual duty? I'm about to get somebody in trouble. That's my spiritual duty. So Paul loved to draw teaching from the training that is required for athletes. Now here are some passages that come to mind. Acts 20 and 24. I'm going to read them quickly because they're in your notes. And if you download the app, uh, app, you have all of it. All right. It says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race. And complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Y'all see that? Here's another passage in mine. Galatians 5 and 7. You were running a good race. Who cut on in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? You were doing good. How you let somebody cut in front of you and stop you from running? How many folks we were doing good until the pandemic hit? Help, Lord. Here's another one. 1 Timothy 4, verse 7 and 8. said, rather train yourself to be godly. Uh-oh. For physical training is of some value. Right. Now that's good to remember when you hit the gym this week. All right. Oh, y'all don't go to the gym. Or when you exercise this week. Oh, y'all don't exercise. He said training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So you should, should exercise yourself to godliness. See, that's why I say Paul was a sports junkie. He's always talking about running. He's always talking about a race, an athlete. He's always talking about a farmer or something like that. Hebrews 12:1 says, While well, we don't know if the apostle Paul wrote Hebrews, check out this metaphor. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. See, Paul always talk about running and carrying all out. And I know some of you all used to be speaksters back in the day. Man, you run, run rings around folks. But since that time, your steps have gotten shorter. You don't run as fast, but now you're running a different race. You're running a spiritual race now. See, see, because me and my wife, we done graduated from running. We walk two to three miles a day now. Amen. Amen. Somebody just passed by and said, go ahead on. God bless you. I got to protect these right here so they can last a little long. Got to protect them ankles down there. You see what I'm saying? Amen. These hips don't work like they used to work. Y'all laugh just go out and try to run when you ain't been running. Your body going to say, what you doing? Gonna say, you said, I'm running. I said, No, you ain't. Yes, I am. No, you are not running. Yes, I am. Okay, we're gonna see who's gonna have the last laugh on this. I'm just gonna wait on you until you get ready to wake up tomorrow morning. Then you'll be like, Oh, oh." your body said, What were you doing? (laughs) I told you not to run. (laughs) Hallelujah. So we done graduated to walking. Amen. Thank you, mother. Got one witness. (laughs) Second Timothy four and seven says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Now, one of the clearest passages on importance of discipline is found in 1 Corinthians 9. And here's our foundational scripture I told you to turn to. 9 verse 24 It says, drawing from the sports of running and wrestling or boxing, Paul urges us as di- uh, disciples to develop discipline. Now, here it is. It says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. That's what we're talking about, training, right? So they do do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Thank you, Jesus. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, this is what Paul's saying, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. What well, scissors may help somebody else get into heaven and you don't make it? The illustration of athletic com- competition or contest was very familiar to the Christians in Corinth. The Greeks had two great athletic events, the Olympic Games and the Ishmael games, which were held at the city of Corinth every two years. And every participant in these games had to take an oath that they had been training for 10 months, or they would be immediately disqualified. Now, what if I had told you, have you been disciplined these last 10 months training and doing what God told you to do? Look how quiet he got it here. Because they had to give an oath that they had been training for at least 10 months, or they would be disqualified. Did you not know there's a demand, there's a demand on discipline, a demand of discipline? As I meditate on this passage this week, I see four demands of discipline for the disciple of Christ. And here's, you know, a frame that we can put around these demands. And I don't want you to forget this. Remember this right here. Write it down. Highlight it. Stick a pen in it. It takes discipline to be a disciple because spiritual growth is intentional, not automatic. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's good. Keep that up there for a minute. On, Amen. It takes discipline to be a, 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 a disciple because spiritual growth is intentional, not automatic. You got to grow intentionally right. you got to do it on purpose and with purpose Amen. you're just not going to automatically grow because you say I got saved right. Amen. and you're not going to automatically get grow by putting your Bible under your pillow right. you're not going to grow because you just sitting around Christians all day. No, you got to get in that word and let that word get in you. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So here's number one. I'm teaching. You writing? Go after the goal. Go Say that with me. Go after the goal. Go now look at verse 24. He says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize, run in such a way as to get the prize. In other words, if you don't get the prize, you got to run like you're going to get the prize. The lift of this race was clearly marked. And it was 606 feet long. And the command here is to run. It is not to walk or stop or sit down or coast or just be a spectator. Only those who kept the goal in mind would have any chance of winning. It was Max Anderson or Anders who said only the discipline ever get really good at anything. That's what Mac Andrews said. Unfortunately, discipline is what we need the most in our modern world and what we want the less. Amen. Or want the, that's what we need, but that's the least thing we want. I ain't ready to do none of that. I don't, I don't want to do all that. This, this story always really just blesses me in 1968. Olympics in Mexico City, Tandinesian runner John uh, Stephen Akwari was the last runner in the marathon. He came in about an hour and a half after the winner, practically carrying his legs. And as it was, so bloodied and bandaged, the film director, Bud Greenspan, asked him, Why did you keep going? And he said, you don't understand. My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start a race. They sent me here to finish it. Are you committed to finishing your race of faith? It's not about who starts. It's about who finishes. Think about it. You don't have a lot of people that started with you. But where are they now? It takes discipline to be a disciple because spiritual growth is intentional, not automatic. Number two, pay the price. Say it with me. I got to pay the price. We see this in verse 25. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So the word compete is very graphic. In the Greek, it is agonizoma, which where we get the word agony. It carries with it an idea of struggling or contending with an enemy. The phrase strict training means to exercise restraint or abstinence, especially from certain fruit, foods and alcohol. When you are athlete, you are on a strict diet. All them guys you see in the NFL and college and everything, a lot of times they're on a strict diet. They have to sign a contract that they'll eat only certain things. You can't do certain things when you are a professional athlete. You can't jump out of no planes. You can't ride no motorcycles. It is very strict. The higher you go, the stricter things get. What you did in college, forget about that. They are going to be stricter on you because now... You are their cash cow. You make the money and you can't make no money for them being hurt. Now, I'm not going to sign no multi-million dollar contract and you go out and jump out a plane and break your leg. Uh Uh-uh. You can't jump out no plane. And the higher up you go, you become the franchise player, the more strict it is with you. Yes, you're making money, but hey, they're telling you that these are, that this is uh, the deal. You got, these are the rules for you. Don't that sound like Christian? The higher up we go, the more God counts on us. When you're a baby, you act like a baby. But when you go get older, you put away childless things. Is that what Paul said? Some of you still, you're grown babies. God say, listen here, I'm tired of giving you milk when you should be eating meat by now. That's all we got, a whole bunch of babies that want to stay babies. No, you got to grow up. See, when you're a baby, we already done set our mind. Our mindset is we'll change your old stinky self when you are two and you're one and when you're six months. But we ain't changing no 10-year-old. That stuff don't smell good. It gets worse as you get older. Hallelujah. Get older. We got to light matches and candles and everything, spray and everything else. We ain't putting up with that. The higher up you go, the more it going to cost you. And some of y'all struggling because God want to lift you higher, but you don't want to pay the price to go higher. It's going to cost you to go higher. I want what the higher folk get, but I don't want to do what they do to get there. Well, you don't want it then. You got to make some sacrifices. In the natural, that's the way it is. And in the spiritual, that's where it is. especially when you become a representative of Jesus Christ. I got to be first partakers of the fruit. So if I'm preaching around here telling y'all how to love y'all, why I got to be first one love mine. If I'm telling y'all how to get y'all marriage together, not listen. You need to cut this out, and you need to do this and this and that. And, and if I'm telling you to do that, I got to be the first one to do it. Hallelujah! It costs to go higher. And you got people all over the country want, want titles, want position, want to sit in the front seat, want to sit in the high seat, but don't want to do what it takes. You got to pay the price. When you don't want to pay the price, give them folk your title back. I'm talking to the folk that's watching. it costs to sit high yes, it does. are you hearing me we're training you to win you cannot counsel other people if you don't have your act together yes. what a sin make I'm trying to tell y'all how to live for God and y'all see me out there doing everything I, everything, but other than what a child of God is supposed to be doing didn't I just hear him preach like that. Dude. What is he doing? All right. All right. All right. Yes, the expectation is high. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You can't be saying, talking like some of these other folk. Well, you know how to make all these sacrifices all these years. Lord, what about me having some fun? God ain't talking about you having no fun. He's talking about you obeying him. Yes. And I figure since I got to obey him, I might well go ahead and, and, and enjoy obeying him. Because he ain't going to change about his obedience. He said obedience is better than sacrifice. More than anything that you can ever give him, he said, I would rather have your obedience. Amen. Hallelujah. Right. God knows stunned about how cute you are and how pretty you are and how handsome you are. How you can just dance. and that. God ain't stunned about all that stuff. But he is concerned about your obedience. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And some folk think they're getting away because they think, you know, when we're we not there, God not there. God see you. God see you how you're treating your husband. God see you how you're treating your wife. Just because the bishop don't see it. That don't mean God don't see it. And God, see how you just so mean and, and nasty and contagious. You be not, ni- you selective. You be nice to certain people that you want to be nice to. But other folks, you act like a junkyard dog. You get around people that you think that's important that means something. Oh, hey, how you doing? Praise the Lord. You get around people you think beneath you. Come on in here, get on in here. Got time for you. Church has already started. You don't know what they had to do to get here. You don't know what they had to do to get here. If you only knew their testimony, you'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you for being here today. Hallelujah. You got to pay the price. Are you listening? So we not only need to say yes to certain things, we must also say no to that which will knock us out of the race. In commenting on these athletic contests, one writer wrote, the youth who would win in the race have bore and done much. He have been hot and been cold. He has sustained from love and wine and I heard about a, a, a staed Christian who uh, said that they said to a mature a stalled Christian who said to a mature believer, he said, "I'd give my life to know the Bible like you do." To which the reason, or the seasoned saint said, he said, "That's what it took. I gave my life to know the word like I know it. Hallelujah. It's going to cost you something. Yes, sir. See, the winner of the race would receive a crown made out of shrubbery that would w- wither in a week. Our spiritual crown will never fade. Amen. Now, are you willing to go after the gold and pay the price? If you do, it takes discipline to be a disciple because spiritual growth is intentional, not automatic. Amen. Number three, you got to eradicate Empty thoughts. In other words, you got to get rid of your empty thinking. Your empty efforts. Eradicate empty efforts. Verse 26 tells us, We should live our lives with purpose and direction. Look what it says. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating in the air. If, If a runner had any chance of winning, he had to stay on course. It couldn't be like Forrest Gump and just run, run, run. He had to stay on course. He had to do so with purpose. And Paul then switched metaphors from the field of running to wrestling or boxing ring. This sport was more ultimate fighting championship, uh, the, the, the UFC cage matches if you will the boxers would wear gloves covered with n- knots and and nails and filled with lead and iron and it if it, it, the bo- they wouldn't be boxing in the air it would it would make sense to be armed for battle and just be boxing in the air but it's the idea of totally missing when a punch is thrown he said that i'm not Like someone beating the air. My question for you this morning is, are your efforts empty? Are you spending your time on things that just don't matter? Someone has said that too many of us show a first-rate dedication to a second-rate cause. What are you involved in? You remember in Alice in the Wonderland, there's a scene where Alice says to the Cheshire cat, would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? And the cat replies, that depends a good deal on where you want to get to. And Alice says, I don't much care where. And the cat replies, "Then it doesn't matter which way you go. Because if you don't already, you, you don't know where you, you, don't have no goal, you don't have no direction, you just start and go anywhere. Just turn and just start going. In Philippians 2 and 16, Paul, passions was for his life to count. Let me ask you something. Do you want your life to count? Yes, sir. In order that I may boast, this is what he said, on the day of Christ, that I did not run or labor for nothing. Can you and I say the same thing? Wouldn't it be terrible to be at the end of your life and wonder if you made any difference? How would you feel if your efforts were futile? It takes discipline to be a disciple because spiritual growth is intentional, not automatic. You got to, number one, go after your goal. Right. Say that with me. Go after your goal. Go after your goal. Then, number two, you got to pay the price. Number three, you got to eradicate, eradicate empty efforts. And that leads to the final demand of discipline. Number four, you got to bully your body. Say that with me. Bully my body. Bully my body. Now, before you just throw everything down and say, that's it. I don't want to hit nothing else. Hold on. What in the world do you mean by bully your body? Listen what he says. This may sound a bit odd, but I think it captured the meaning in verse 27. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So the word beat is also translated as buffet. But that makes me think of going into, you know, the Chinese buffet and stuff like that and going on some, you know, some coconut shrimp or some teriyaki chicken or something like that, you know. But I'm sure it's not what Paul had in mind. The word beat literally means to hit under the eye or to subdue or to beat black and white. check out this phrase, this paraphrase of Arthur's way. He says, nay, I uh, I browbeat my own animal nature. But you, Corinthians, are inclined to be champions of your animal nature, feeding it, and you treat it. But I treat it, uh, it not as my master, but as my slave lest by any chance after acting as the hero of the ceremonies who bid others enter, I might find my own self disqualified from competing. Is your body your slave or are you a slave to your body? Do you treat it or do you beat it? Because your body is your flesh. The real you is your spirit man on the inside. So your flesh and your spirit are warring against each other on a day-to-day basis. So are you leading your passions or are your passions leading you? Don't let your body tell your mind what to do. Let your mind tell your body what to do. Cause our flesh is a mess. I don't care who bones it on. Your flesh will get you in trouble. Amen. Got any witnesses? Amen. It was Augustine who said the result of a distorted will is passion. Indulged passion forms habit, and unstrained habit becomes necessary. Someone else put it like this. Thoughts lead to actions. Actions lead to habits. Habits become your character. Character determines destiny. Friends, spiritual champions are made, not born. God shapes and molds us into spiritual champions. That's why you get in the word the way you do and you come to hear the word of God because God is shaping and molding you into a spiritual champion. I read that John Wesley traveled an average of 20 miles a day for 40 years. He got up every morning at 4 o'clock a.m. He preached 40,000 sermons. He produced 400 books and knew 10 languages. And at the age of 83, he was annoyed because he couldn't write more than 15 hours a day without hurting his eyes. And at the age of 86, he was ashamed that he couldn't preach more than twice a day. He he complained in his diary that there was an increasing tendency to lie in bed until 5.30 in the morning when I listen to John Wesley we ain't done nothing 4 o'clock in the morning we turn it over turn it again at 5.30 spiritual champions are made not born So I got to go after my goal. Then I got to pay the price. Then I got to eradicate empty efforts. And then I got to bully my body. Can you say amen? Amen. And that's one thing that I wanted to add to that is showing you that we got to seize self-control. Since I've already made the wits of preaching on the importance of discipline, I might as well go a step further and speak about another closely related topic that is equally disdained, self-control. Most folk don't want to have self-control. They want to be out of control. They want self to be in control. And whatever your self say, that's what you do. In other words, whatever your flesh say. And so I don't know if you saw where the headline appeared, Americans turn to tech to replace self-control. Here's part of the article. It says Americans are trying to control their impulse using technology that steps into the uh, enforce to to enforce good behavior. Have we entered into an era in which electronics serve as mother, cop, and coach because we can't manage our own desires? Yep, says uh, Ann Mack. A trend watcher. She named her outsourcing self-control. A detecting as two top trends. While we are all could use some help in this area, self-control is a fruit of the spirit, right. not something that we can simply outsource. Check out the last, uh, but certainly not least, the fruit of the spirit in Galatians. Five, twenty-two, and 23 where it says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness and self control in some ways we might consider this virtue the most important because without self control the works of the flesh cannot be overcome and other elements of the fruit of the spirit will not be evident when the Greeks wanted to illustrate self-control, they built a statue of a man or a woman in perfect proportion. To them, self-control was the proper order and the balancing of the individual. Aristotle, uh, he once said, I count him braver who overcomes his desire than him who conquers his enemy. What you, what you got to understand is for the hardest victory is the victory over self. You've got to learn how to conquer yourself. You gotta learn how to put your own selfish desires in check. If you don't want to put your selfish desires in check, then don't you ever ask anybody to marry you. Don't you connect yourself with somebody if you are a selfish person, you are not don't have no self-control. It's all about you. Don't marry nobody else because you gotta give. Up sometimes, in order to be married to that person, it is give and it is take. Can you say Amen? amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! And so, that's what we got to do. And so, uh, 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 Plato he says, uh, believe that our Animal urges must be governed, or else they will produce a feverish state in the soul, a city of pigs which knows no limits. And when we are not self-control, our life is a pigsty. That's quite of a word picture to me. So the word translates self-control in the NIV is rendered temperance in the King James version. It comes from the word strength and means one who holds himself in. Are you following me? Mm -hmm. And to be self-controlled is to not live in bondage to the desires, passion, and appetite of the flesh. My body is a good servant, but a miserable master. Mm -hmm. Benjamin Franklin was right when he said he is a governor that governs his passions and he is a servant that serves them. So you got to understand is that you got to keep yourself in check. If you don't, you will get out of control. If you don't have self-control, you're going to be out of control. And people have messed up their lives. We're talking about winning life's race, right? You cannot win this life race if you are out of control. Now, what do you mean, Bishop? You can get out of control with everything. You can get out of control with anything. You can get out of control with eating. Don't throw nothing at me. The Bible calls it gluttony. Right. I'm in the Word. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And sometimes, I'm going to go ahead and say my own ouch. We eat too much. Amen. Yes, it's all right you had one slice, but you now you're on your third. Oh my. Yes, at least space it out. grace you are growing in grace you growing in your face Hallelujah you can get out of control God knows you have needs men but if you don't keep that fire in the oven, and turn it on when it's supposed to be turned on with just your wife. You're going to spread fire elsewhere. And that's going to be a fire that's out of control. And you don't know what you're going to end up with with fire out of control. Talk back to me. So you have to tell her, baby, my fire is only for you. That's it. Amen. The fire gonna stay down until you turn the women on. That's when we're gonna blaze up. Anything that you do can be out of control. The way you communicate can be out of control. You didn't, be, you didn't, you didn't get married to holler at each other and fuss each other's face off. You tell that lie, I'm not much of a, you know, I'm not much of a talker, but if we, if we, ooh, if we could, we could, oh, we don't even have to come in your house. Just, we just park outside, we can hear y'all talking. You just roll up there. My God, what's going on in that house? Out of control. The Bible says soft answer turns away wrath. When you going to start obeying the Bible? Uh -uh. I'm about to tell him something because he ain't going to talk to me like that. I'm about to tell you. Why not just give a soft answer? Right? Huh? One of the worst things you can do in a relationship is while somebody talking, you turn around and say, Shut up! See, I see the hair rolling on the back of some of y'all head right now. Look like when you say that, every, all of everything stops up their eardrums, their, their mental capacity. They ain't hearing nothing else after that. That's not a soft answer, ladies and gentlemen. That was a tone that you meant to stir up something. You about to get in timeout. Huh? Oh, somebody say out. <laughs> Not your timeout, but you're about to be knocked out. <laughs> huh? Hallelujah. Unfortunately, instead of governing our desires and appetites, most of us bingers by nature. Some of us gore on food and some on sleep, others on work, and still others on Facebook, TV. Substances, sports, spending, sex, all these things. We binge on these things. Solomon reminds us of the importance of keeping a watch on how we're doing in Proverbs 4 and 23. He says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Are you hearing me? See, people, you, you belong to another. Brothers and sisters, this is not a time for us to be at ease. Instead, we need to be at full attention. It's time to be all in or to get out altogether. It takes discipline to be a disciple because spiritual growth is intentional, not automatic. Yeah. You got to intentionally grow. Even when you come to church, you listen to the word. Somebody trying to talk to you. It they, they might make you miss something that God wants you to have. You got to be intentional about it. Friends, if you're born again believer, you are owned by Jesus Christ. I belong to him. You belong to him. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were what? Paul, with or at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Your body, you should be honoring God with your body. I know the world tells you you can just wear what you want to. Look like you want to. But you got to honor God with your body. That's what the word says. You can't advertise everybody. I don't know why I keep on picking up dogs. Well, if you quit wagging your tail, you'll stop picking up dogs. You got to glorify God, honor God with your body. Now, some people, oh, that's just so hard. No, that's the Bible. The Bible tells you to be modest. The Bible tells you to look good. But to be modest. What does modesty mean? It's in the middle. It's not too much, not too much less, not too much off, not too much on. Amen. In other words, it means to be classy. You draw what you become. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fella standing on the corner with his pants hanging down and the lady drive up, you know, in a BMW or a Mercedes or whatever like that, and she looked classy. He ain't about to try to hard at her. <laughs> he already knows she out of his league. But now, if you drive up in that same car and you're looking all hoochified, he you say, hey. Y'all to get that next week. <laughs> so, as I close this, I, I found these three questions to be really helpful. And you just write these down. I'm going to close it on now. Dreams. Where do you want to be? That's the first one. Where do you want to be? Decisions. Will you make a resolution to get there? Disciplines. Will you do what you need to do? do to get there. Spiritual discipline is a habit or regular pattern in your life that repeatedly brings you back to God and open you open you up to what God is saying to you. It's easy to dream because it doesn't demand anything. The problem isn't so much With our desire to grow spiritually because almost everyone wants to grow. Our problem is, like the disciples, our spirit is willing but our flesh is weak. We all could dream about going to the Olympics, but it is only those who decide to do so and then live by some strict disciplines that actually end up on the team. Are you ready to decide? Or will you just dream? There's some people that's dreaming of going somewhere, but they're not willing to do what it takes. I'm asking you right now today, are you willing, brother man, to do what it takes to grow in God? I'm asking you, sister girl, are you willing to do what it takes to grow in God? I heard about a pilot who got on the intercom and said to all the passengers, ladies and gentlemen, Can I have your attention, please? Our guidance system is broken. I don't know. I don't have a clue where we are right now. But I do have good news. Wherever we're going, we're making very good time. (laughs) Let's remember this. It takes Discipline to be a disciple because spiritual growth is intentional, not automatic. J. Vernon McGee, in his unique style, writes, and you know, he comes on tight and he talks with that little twang. He said, the Christian life is a very serious serious business. However, we have made it a sort of an extracurricular activity. Legendary football coach Tom Landry once said, the job of a football coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they have always wanted to be. Mm. And that's the way it is with us when we're teaching and preaching is that we're getting you to do things that... Oh, we got to do that. Bishop, we got to come to Bible study. Oh, we got to fail. I don't want to fail. We got to pray. I don't want to pray. I don't know how to pray. Oh, we got to come to Sunday School. We got to come. Oh, I don't want to do none of that. We got to develop disciples. Yes, we got to develop with discipline. Yes, and some people say that They are not making any more New Year's resolutions. I get get it. In fact, I read on the average that New Year's resolutions are broken within one week. And while I understand this all too well, if we don't develop some disciplines, we won't change. you got to get some discipline about yourself. If you don't, you won't. You'll be the same place in three years. You'll be the same place in five years. Yes, sir. And I understand some folk been married 10 years and they still feel like they're year number one because they haven't done nothing along the way to make things better at 10 at the 10th year. Amen. I don't know how old you are, but I know at my age, I ain't got time to be messed around. I want to go to heaven happy. I don't want to be mad and contiguous and upset and hollered at folk on my way to heaven in these last days. I'm just mad about everything. I want to be joyful. Huh? I want to laugh my way into the kingdom. Hallelujah. I want to have more days where I'm smiling, where I'm showing my teeth, and if I don't have any after I get older, show my gums. A hallelujah! Yeah. Then they look mad all the time. They yeah. come like about to come in and just rob the whole place. That's right. That's right. Enjoy life. Thank you, First Lady. As Donna Whitney says. No one coasts into Christ's likeness. Some believers have even gone as far as to say that making a resolution is unbiblical. And I beg the difference. Check out these here four passages right quick as we go to the close. First Corinthians 2 and 2. I'm just read them fast. For I resolve, y'all see that? To know nothing while I was with you, accept Jesus Christ and him crucified. I make a resolve. I listen. I, I make. I make up my mind. I discipline myself that I may know nothing else except for Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm seventeen and three. Though you probe my heart and examine me at night, though you test me, you will find nothing. I resolve that my mouth will not sin. Amen. Y'all see that? Daniel 1 and 8 says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the 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 chief official for permission not to defile himself with this way. In other words, Daniel had made up his mind that he was not going to eat the food that they ate and drink the wine that they drank. You can make up your mind not to do something. I can't lose no weight. You ain't made your mind up yet. You haven't resolved yet. You haven't made your mind. You haven't set your will yet to do it. I'm going to build up my stamina. But you can't do it sitting there eating chips on the couch. You ain't building up nothing. you building up them right there. 2nd Chronicles 10, uh, tw- uh, 23 and 4 says, Alam Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. So he said, listen, I'm claiming a fast for everybody. I made my mind. This is what we're going to do. So the people the people of Judah came together to seek after or to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to see him. So when Jehoshaphat inquired of the Lord and made up his mind that he was going to settle fast for everybody, the people joined in. Yes. Yes. And I try to keep Isaiah 43 and 19 in mind when I'm contemplating any type of thing that I'm going to do, even on a new year. Whatever. He says, see, I have done a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? You don't understand God is springing up some new things concerning you? Do you want the Lord to do a new thing in this new season to come? And my guess is that you're going to have to do some things differently in order for that to happen. And before listing some of the resolution that you should consider making, and I want to make a few preliminary points uh, that you should do uh, while you uh, hasten to the end of the year and you're going into a new year, I want you to get these things down and let them marinate in your spirit. Okay, you ready? Start small and keep building. Zechariah 4 and 10 says, who despises the day of small things? If you start small, you keep on going. Number two, wing yourself off of entertainment. Uh Uh-oh. It might be good for some of us to take a Facebook fast. Lord Law mercy. Some of y'all need to go to Facebook Anonymous, Anonymous, whatever. You 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 need to, you need to get you need to get delivered. Cause we take your phone from you, you turn it to somebody else. <laughs> then you need to deal with loose ends. Sit it with me. I got to deal with loose ends. See, a Roman soldier would tuck in his uh, loose-fitted tunic using a sash to hold in all four corners in order to do battle. You got to tighten up all your loose ends. And then you got to find accountability partner. Say that with me. I need accountability partner. The way that I look at it, we need uh, to abstain from those things that will hinder us and add those things that will help us. Right? So these are the things that we got to do. Number one, Commit to attend and participate in corporate worship every Sunday. Amen. Now, I'm hitting some of you all now. When you come, don't sit like a bump on the log. Participate. Clap your hand in the service. God gave if you ain't had have no hand, you wish you had something to clap. Stand up every now and then. I mean, I know the k- cushion is nice and it's, I, I understand why they used to have them wooden benches now, so you wouldn't be comfortable. You would stand up and say, ooh, Lord, thank you, hallelujah. You ready? Begin reading, begin a Bible reading plan. You do that already? Because we believe this is so important that we have already included a plan of chapter a day. I sent it out a chapter a day. On I it, we sent it on Facebook. We send it out to all of our members. Uh, Read a chapter a day. We're reading right now. What chapter we on right now? Isaiah what? Forty what? Forty three. Forty four. Somebody done got ahead. Well. Amen. Amen. Number three, purposely care for the orphans and widows. Number four, determine to live out your faith at home by reading the Bible and praying for your family. Pray for your family. Pray for your family member. Bishop, they don't deserve it. You didn't either. Pray for them anyhow. Number five, get to know someone new every day and look for ways to share Jesus with them. Number six, uh uh-oh, give 1% more to the Lord this year as compared to last year. Number seven, serve in a ministry at least once a week. You got it? Listen to this quote from a pastor. He says, when I was younger, I thought that my depravity was relatively slight, was always in sight, and was therefore easy to keep at bay. Much older now, I am sobered upon being confronted with the arreals of sin that remain in me. As sin-riddled as you have undoubtedly found me to be, can you imagine how it would look if I were devoid of spiritual discipline? Spiritual discipline will be needed for as long as you and I are spirit-born children of God whose identity in Christ is contradicted by the overhang of our sinistership. Then spiritual discipline will be needed until we are released from the conflict. This is what he says. Please don't tell me that all of this sounds too intense. Paul insists that without the most intense training, the athlete will find himself disqualified. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't get no good strong teaching, you're going to find yourself disqualified. Amen. You go somewhere where they, you know, use a friendly church where they just, you know, a little dab will do you. And you know, hey, I can go over there. We're done in five minutes. Yeah. How are you going to grow off of that? How are you going to grow off of that? You go to a game, and if they go into five overtimes, you sit your hips right there. Screaming your head off just like the rest of them. We going in another overtime. Yeah! I ain't even in overtime yet. You ready to go now? Train. Train to win. Are you hearing me? That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to train to win. I know I ain't holler at you that much today. I really wouldn't intend to holler at you. Maybe next Sunday. But uh But I hope you, those nuggets that you received today. I'm telling you, this thing is not automatic. It's gotta be intentional. I come to church and with intentionally intentionally come to church I intentionally pray I intentionally read my Bible I intentionally be kind and nice to my wife and my family and my children I do these things intentionally I intentionally greet the people and within church family and love on the church I intentionally pray for you hallelujah give you some strong words sometimes too. Because we don't always need cotton candy. Sometimes we need a good kick in the seat of the pants. Especially with some of us. We don't do good when you tell you know you you know how they raise kids now. One, two, three. They ain't raised us like that. I remember when I, when I was out boys, all she had to do was put them teeth together. Y'all know what that means, right? Get yourself on. They put them teeth together. Get over here oh God, right now. Get, get over here. Get over here. Dude. She don't count nothing. If you don't look like you're moving fast enough, she go to meet you right, start meeting you where you are. Huh? And she'll grab whatever she can grab. an ear or arm, you be all jacked up like the hell you be walking right here. Huh? Sometimes, that's what we, we don't need all that sweetness in it counting and we'd be like the mother was just running just dancing it. why you counting if he's dancing all down the aisle ain't coming ain't doing nothing come on over here Connor get over here Connor Hunter I am going to tell your father when I get home <laughs> that ain't what we do Hallelujah. I remember, my, I remember my mom, boy, when she we was at the grocery store. She didn't have those, you know, if she if we if she had to revert to whipping, she if she had to, and especially if she had to whip you and her wig kind of, you know, shifted, you know you're in trouble. You know you were in trouble. But what they what she would do, boy, she'd get you right up under there and get that meat. Just pinch and twist. Who who was a witness in here? you get that pinch. Yeah, they get that pinch. They get that pinch. Oh, Lord, have mercy. And then they just walk off. And the people on the aisle, and they over here, you here, and you got that delayed cry, that delayed holler. Y'all know the delayed holler, right? You like... Huh? Ain't they coming out of the And your mama over there talking about, what's wrong with the baby? <laughs> she knows she done pinched the stew out of you. <laughs> All right, I'm done. Everybody's standing I'm done. Everybody standing Ah, I'm trained to win. I believe that's what God wants us to do is train to win. Whatever God is doing in this season, I don't want Him to do it without me. How many of you want God to remember you in the season when He does things? Would you bow your heads with me?